Kevin McCarthy is ousted as Speaker of the House. So what comes next? No one appears to be safe from the crime wave in Washington, D.C. Plus, a man is sentenced to 60 days in jail for exercising free speech. All that and more. I'm Bobby Everly. This is a 13-minute news hour. God bless the United States of America. Okay, friends, welcome to the show. Happy Wednesday. I hope you're having a great week. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to start with Kevin McCarthy and the huge historic news that the Speaker of the House has been ousted and the Speakership is now vacant by a vote of 216 to 210 with eight Republicans joining all present Democrats. McCarthy lost his Speakership after both sides gave impassioned speeches. Here's Florida Congressman Matt Gates just prior to the vote. Chaos is Speaker McCarthy. Chaos is somebody who we cannot trust with their word. The one thing that the White House, House Democrats, and many of us on the conservative side of the Republican caucus would argue is that the thing we have in common, Kevin McCarthy said something to all of us at one point or another that he didn't really mean and never intended to live up to. As the vote commenced, the tally was back and forth for McCarthy to stay and for McCarthy to be ousted. In the end, these eight Republicans were the deciding factor. Representative Andy Biggs, Ken Buck, Tim Burchett, Nancy Mace, Eli Crane, Matt Gates, Bob Good, and Matt Rosendale. And here's something to keep in mind. Almost half of that group, three out of eight, were not part of the 20 House Republicans that originally voted against McCarthy over and over again until concessions were granted by McCarthy on how the House would be run. So this group was not just a bunch of McCarthy haters from the beginning. Ken Buck, Tim Burchett, and Nancy Mace all signaled growing frustration with how things were being run and came to realize that McCarthy was not keeping his word and he had to go. Here's Kevin McCarthy later in the day following the vote to vacate the speakership. So I may have lost a vote today, but as I walk out of this chamber, I feel fortunate to have served the American people. I leave the speakership with a sense of pride, accomplishment, and yes, optimism. You need two 18s. Unfortunately, 4% of our conference can join all the Democrats and dictate who can be the Republican speaker in this house. I don't think that rule is good for the institution, but apparently I'm the only one. I believe I can continue to fight, maybe in a different manner. I will not run for speaker again. I'll have the conference pick somebody else. Matt Gates appeared on Newsmax on Tuesday evening and was asked a key question. Did Gates think it would come down to this? Did Gates think that a vote to vacate the chair would actually happen? Here's Gates. No, I never thought we'd be at this moment, Eric. And it's because in February and March, we really saw Speaker McCarthy adhere to the agreement he'd made with House conservatives to try to bring the House of Representatives more in line with what the American people think governing should be, not just wrapping everything up in one big up or down vote with disparate things combined together, stuff that wouldn't otherwise pass if it wasn't lashed onto something else. And Kevin McCarthy broke so many of the promises he made in January, we started to see the House of Representatives revert back to its corrupt old muscle memory of just omnibus bills, continuing resolutions, and more of the same. Now, those comments are key because Gates is exactly right. If you recall, the media and even many Republican commentators 
were blasting the fact that the speakership wasn't decided in just one vote. Instead of one day, the process took three days. But people like Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram, and others said it would be the end of the world. It wasn't. And rather than being damaged and ineffective, McCarthy actually emerged in a stronger position. Gates was then asked about the chaos in the House following this vote. Sounds a bit like back in January, right? Here's his response. Well, only in Washington is taking a few extra days of votes deemed chaos. Do you know what chaos is, Eric? Chaos is the dollar losing its status as the global reserve currency. Chaos is the greatest nation in the world sitting atop a $33 trillion debt. Chaos is accepting Biden budgets that will lead to $2.2 trillion annual deficits for the foreseeable future, forever. It, it would take us to a $50 trillion debt. And right now, I mean, U.S. News cited de-dollarization as the number one economic trend of 2023. More and more countries are moving away from the dollar while we're printing more in the absence of any review on how it's spent. Here's what's just stunning. Advocates of the status quo are complaining that nothing will get done, that we have this chaos while the speakership is vacant. But what was the first act of acting Speaker Patrick McHenry following the vote? It was for the House to stand in recess for a week. We should be here tomorrow working to elect a new speaker, getting onto our appropriations bills, and engaging in a, in a negotiation with the Senate to get the government funded. But instead, whoa, these people have got to go home and cry for a week? They've got to go do a week of hand-wringing and bedwetting over the fact that Kevin McCarthy isn't speaker anymore? This institution is about more than one man. It's about the job. How about we pass a budget? So McHenry has the power of the speakership now, and literally his first act as the acting speaker of the House was to send everyone home till Tuesday. The plan is that on Tuesday, House Republicans will hold a candidate forum with the goal to have a vote for speaker on Wednesday. And let me say this, for all those saying that the speaker was ousted by a small fraction of the House GOP, well, it was that small fraction that enabled McCarthy to be speaker in the first place a speakership based on promises being made to conduct business differently. The spending bill put together by House Republicans was infinitely better than Joe Biden's proposal, and yet in the end, Biden got everything he wanted. We have open-ended spending, no budget, no proper appropriations bills, and a massive slow playing of investigations. Something had to give, and that something was McCarthy. All right, next let's talk about crime, but first, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search on my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. Next, let's talk about crime because it is sweeping the country and left-wing mayors and other Democrat leaders are now in a state of panic because for years we have seen a combination of leftist policies that have now led to a countrywide crime wave. Democrats have been openly hostile to law enforcement. Poll after poll shows that Americans, regardless of race, want more police presence, not less. But Democrats celebrated their defund the police efforts. Then there's the Soros-backed district attorneys and judges who won't prosecute violent criminals, or they let them out with little or no bail. Well, Democrat-run cities are being overrun with looting, vandalism, violent crime. Washington, D.C. is the latest example where crime is out of control. Democrat Congressman Henry Cuellar was carjacked at gunpoint this week, and I wonder if that will make any difference in the way the left handles crime. Here's the story. 
This was Democratic Congressman Henry Cuellar of Texas, who was the victim of an armed carjacking in the Navy Yard neighborhood of Washington, D.C., which is just about a mile from the Capitol. And last night, his chief of staff issuing a statement saying that Congressman Cuellar was parking his car when three armed assailants approached the congressman and stole his vehicle. Luckily, he was not harmed, and he's working with local law enforcement. Again, this isn't some isolated incident. We see this happening in blue cities across the country. Democrats run these cities into the ground, not only economically, but socially with policies that put criminals ahead of law-abiding citizens. Violent crime is up 40% in the nation's capital. That's according to Metro Police. And, a, and carjackings, which Congressman Cuero was the victim of, are up 100%. In fact, it's become such an issue that Congress held a briefing last month for members and their staffs to help them keep safe in Washington, D.C. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre was at a loss to explain why crime is out of control in Washington, D.C., especially when Fox News' Peter Ducey reminded her that the city is run by Democrats. Well, the first follow-up would be, how are you going to blame Republicans for this? Isn't D.C. run by a bunch of Democrats? I'm going to speak to what the president has done, right? The president has been very, very straightforward about what he has done to make sure that communities are safe. American Rescue Plan, not one Republican in Congress voted for it. Not one. There were billions of dollars in that plan, in that, in that act, to make sure communities across the country got funding so that they can indeed hire more police officers so that they can keep their communities safe. Guess what? The American Rescue Plan passed. And these Democrat-run cities are not safe. No amount of money will do anything if Democrats continue to push soft-on-crime policies. Here's the D.C. police chief from back in March of this year. What we got to do, if we really want to see homicides go down, is keep bad guys with guns in jail. Because when they're in jail, they can't be in community shooting people. So when people talk about what we're going to do different or what we should do different, what we need to do different, that's the thing that we need to do different. We need to keep violent people in jail. Right now, the average homicide suspect, the average homicide suspect has been arrested 11 times prior to them committing a homicide. That is a problem. That is a problem. Yes, that's a problem. 11 times. It's like catch and release at the border. But as long as Democrats keep getting elected, nothing is going to change. All right, next here are some rapid fire headlines from around the world and around the country. First, Fox News is reporting on a court case in Switzerland in which a writer and commentator has been sentenced to 60 days in jail for calling a journalist a fat lesbian. That's right. The writer was sentenced by the Lusane court for the crimes of defamation, discrimination, and incitement to hatred after he criticized a female journalist in a Facebook video two years ago. The writer's attorney blasted the decision in an email to the Associated Press, writing that the case aimed to probe whether a person had, quote, sinned against the dogmas of single thought, end quote. Just watch for more of this to happen right here at home. And then, an electric vehicle factory in Kansas requires so much power to operate the factory that a coal plant is needed to provide the power. Does that sound green to you? According to the Gateway Pundit, Panasonic broke ground on the factory last year and will receive $6.8 billion from Joe Biden's Inflation Reduction Act so it can build electric cars. The utility company servicing the needs of the factory says that the 4 million square foot Panasonic facility creates near-term challenges from a resource adequacy perspective, meaning not enough freaking power. These challenges 
mean that the utility company will continue to burn coal at a power plant near Lawrence, Kansas to provide the power. Finally, Colorado Christian baker Jack Phillips is back in the news because the Colorado Supreme Court has decided to take up the case, which has been an ongoing assault by the left to force Phillips to violate his religious beliefs in order to run a business. Now, Phillips's case made it all the way to the Supreme Court, and the court ruled in favor of Phillips. But that ruling was more based on a technicality than the fact that his rights had been violated. Now, the Colorado Supreme Court will take up a lawsuit an extremist in the transgender community filed against Phillips for declining to violate his faith and use his cake artistry to promote transgenderism. This case is so important because as we just saw from the case in Switzerland, free speech and religious freedom are under attack by leftists around the world. America must always be that one country where freedom truly reigns. Friends, that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, today's show's one sheet is available to Patreon supporters using the link in the description. The one sheet gives you the links to all the videos and stories used on today's show, so you can dive even deeper into each issue. And with that, our next show will be Monday evening at the usual time. Until then, I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour.